C3, Connecting Coaches Cognition, Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Hey, everyone out there in the podcast world, welcome back to C3, Connecting Coaches Cognition. I'm Courtney, and I'm here with... Violet Christensen. It's time for Connecting with the Coach. Violet, what is going on in your life? Lately, I feel like I've been doing a lot of pacing, really trying to help people with problem solving, mostly my toddlers, um, (laughs) gearing up for the holidays and trying to negotiate what we can put on the list for Santa, what we can, if those have to be identical. Um, I have two small girls, and when one has something, the other one definitely wants to emulate that. So deciding whether to go with all the same or two similar items. (laughs) Oh, that's always a challenge. You don't want anyone disappointed on Christmas morning. Absolutely not. Uh, What are you doing to gear up for the holidays, Courtney? Um, in baking mode, I like to do batch baking. So I will do a ton of one cookie and then move on to the next one and then mix them up and make some platters and getting the tree up and hoping pickles doesn't destroy it. So you're saying that the girls and I should be coming to your house the night after this baking day? Yes, there's always cookies um, the month of December in my house. We will be there for sure. Anytime, come on over. Now it's time for some much-needed Coaching with the Coach. I can't believe 2019 is quickly coming to an end. Violet, I remember back at our advanced cognitive coaching training this past summer, you'd set a goal of being mindful of work-life balance. As you reflect, where would you say you are with meeting this goal? Hmm... I would have to say I'm guilty of not staying as mindful of this goal um, as well as I would have liked to when I set it way back in summer, which currently seems like ages ago. I feel like at that time when I was at Advanced, I had a really clear vision for how I was going to prioritize and um, kind of partition my time going into the start of this year. And um, I chose actually the mantra for this year of you can do anything, but not everything. Um, but as more priorities have come down the pike and life speeds up, I've lost my focus a little bit with this goal of home to work balance. Plus, I think, as I've said before, I'm a recovering people pleaser and, um, yes, woman. So that doesn't really help me. Mm -hmm. I think I have kind of gotten swept up in life and, um, my ability to prioritize has really been reduced. So I think I need to loop back and revisit. Violet, you lost sight of your goal because you were swept up in the busyness of work and made yourself less available for activities outside of work. Yeah, unfortunately. And I've also struggled because I've been presented with some really promising opportunities this year professionally. And so it's hard to pass up on those in the moment, even though I'm trying to be more of a no person and more of a balanced individual. Moving into the second half of the year, what would work-life balance look like to you? I think uh, a homework balance for me would look busy, to be honest. Um, I'm a fast-paced person, if you all haven't picked up on that yet, and I like to keep busy at home and at work. But I think the key for me is to start partitioning my time and um, building that into my routines daily. I want to be busy and actively engaged, but work during work hours. And I want to be home during home hours and really 
be mindful of which mode I'm in. I want to be challenged, but then I want to find a way to tangibly, tangibly detach myself from work when mm-hmm. it's time to go pick up my two little girls. So, um, I have a two and a four year old and I, I want to be busy with them when we get home, cooking and playing, doing puzzles or activities. And I want to be able to leave work behind until after they're tucked in for bed at the night. So Violet, you want to find a way to set some boundaries and keep work from creeping into time with your girls. Yeah, I think that's really the biggest goal for me right now. I know I'm always going to be super fast paced and um, working totally hard on both ends, but try to ensure a way that it's not creeping into the physical time I have with them and that my mind isn't watering back to work when I'm trying to engage with them and have that, um, that pivotal time. Now that you have a vision of what balance would look like for you, moving forward, what are some things you want to be mindful of? As I reflect, I, I really want to remain conscious of this goal at all times. I want to be more aware of the timing when I leave work to go pick up. Um, so possibly going on the earlier end. Um, and I want to leave my work bag in my car until after I've tucked my kids in for bed so that I'm not tempted to fire up the laptop to respond to that one more teacher, um, which inevitably turns into another and another. Um, go down that rabbit hole inside your computer when you open it up. Um, I've also been trying to institute a no phone zone time for my family. Um, so actually I have an alarm that goes off on my phone at seven o'clock and we put all the phones down so that we have that hour consistently each night to just truly engage with one another and try to fun, find a fun activity. Um, I feel like those are positive steps forward, but they're not a hundred percent yet. And um, mostly I want to hold myself accountable for working when it's time to work and playing with my little princesses when it's time to dress up and have a tea party, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So you have some tangible steps that you're going to use moving forward to help yourself intentionally find more balance. Yeah, totally. I'm going to try to be more consistent as well. Awesome. We've entered into the time of year where the daylight's getting shorter and our commitments are ramping up. Self-care is such an integral part of our coaching work. Not only do we need to take care of ourselves, but we need to be mindful of educators we work with. Today, we have Nicole Turner, author of Simply Instructional Coaching. Nicole works as an instructional coach in Indianapolis while running her business, Simply Coaching and Teaching. If anyone knows how to take care of educators, it's her. Right. Nicole, thank you for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? We are doing well. It's snowing here and we're just excited to jump into another podcast with you. How did your day go today? Oh, today was quite busy. One of those great coaching days, but I am excited to be home (laughs) Um, and excited to grab some dinner at some point today and just kind of relax for the evening. Perfect. Finding some balance, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are super excited to have you join us today from Indianapolis. And thank you for taking the time to be on the pod with us. Oh, no problem. I enjoy it. You start by giving our listeners a little of your backstory and tell us a little bit about your expertise in coaching, and then give us a little bit of your story of the road that led you into coaching. Sure. So my backstory, (laughs) expertise in coaching, is definitely one that is non-traditional. So for me, I became an instructional coach, not because it was a job that I sought out. It was nothing that I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do with my life. Like I just became a teacher um, just a little bit because I had a son um, when I was in college and my mom is a teacher and all of my family are teachers. And I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. I see you guys being teachers. And then when I got um, pregnant 
and I was finishing school, my mom was like, you need to be a teacher because you have a baby and it's going to go well with your uh, time. And I just was like, okay, I'll be a teacher. (laughs) Down. I mean, I knew that it was something that I had passion for, but it just was like, I think I wanted to go against the grain of the family. Right. Um, But it worked out. I love it. Um, So that's kind of the road to teaching. And then I came into the field of education when it was a surplus of teachers in Indianapolis, um, in the Indiana area. So I'm actually from Gary, Indiana, and I relocated to Indianapolis about 11 years ago. And so when I first got here, there was a surplus and we got rift. Like I got rift every year. And so one year um, I got rift and there was a coaching position open and a coach, a lady who was kind of over the coaches, um, and she had talked like with my previous principal, and they were like, "Hey, we want you to be a coach." And I was like, "What is that? Like, I don't even know what that job is." But hey, I need a job, so let's dive in. So I spent that whole first year of coaching trying to figure it out. I mean, I promise. I, they told me, "Oh, you got to run like grade level meetings," and I'm like, "Okay, you know, I've been a grade level meeting teacher before, so let's go in and do this." And People were just like, no, like whatever. Like they didn't want to hear what I had to say or no ideas. I spent most of my time entering data into spreadsheets, um, just like the test results and doing lunch duty. (laughs) So that was kind of my first year of instructional coaching. And what has led me up until now is that I start to look at different systems and start to say, okay, now I know this is what coaching is about. And I start to Google and I start to research. And so throughout that time, over a course of about five years of coaching, I kind of developed systems um, in place. So I started to say, okay, now I got a coaching job. I know exactly what I need to do at the beginning of the year and what I need to do in the middle of the year and the end of the year. And then when I became an administrator, I was able to coach coaches, my coach. I was like, hey, this is what you need to do now. And, you know, it, it just became a successful kind of thing. And a couple of years ago, I believe like maybe 2016, I um, was on Facebook. And I guess that's when Facebook groups were like really popular and coming out and different things like that. And they were like, I was looking for instructional coaching groups and there were none. So I just created one. Then all of a sudden, all these people were coming in and then they start asking me questions of if I knew stuff. And I was just like, hello, I'll give all of this. Like I just start answering questions. And then um, somebody was like, hey, are you going to do a webinar on that? And I was just like, a webinar on that? Like to answer the questions? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And researched, did a webinar, and here I am. <laughs> so you really have lived it all. Yes. I've kind of had uh, several positions. So I've taught kindergarten. Um, I'm an elementary, so my background is elementary ed. Um, but I am in a high school, coaching high school now. Um, I've coached K-12. I was a district coach for a while. Um, I was an administrator, assistant principal. I was a dean of students. And I worked as a school improvement and turnaround specialist for the Indiana Department of Education. So I spent a lot of time in turnaround and a lot of time in schools that um, were struggling. And so from those experiences of working with advanced ed and doing different things like that, I was able to take that um, experience and put it into coaching. So some of those strategies that I learned about turnaround schools and the needs of turnaround schools and that research, I was able to bring into my work um, and then take that work and kind of develop, 
you know, the expertise, the systems that I have in place now that I kind of share with everyone. So it really sounds like you kind of had to muddle through without a lot of support to start. And then you kind of came up with these various systems that you started to find success with. And then people started to reach out and started to want to glom onto your system. So you were kind of almost pushed to that department of let me share my knowledge with others. Yes, because I wasn't a very sharing person. <laughs> well, you've clearly changed a lot, which is lovely that you're willing to share with all of us. Well, I was just always scared about, you know, if you shared yours and then like, what if it didn't work for someone? Like, what are they going to say? Um, and so I just start to share different things and then they start to work for other people. And then that's when I knew, okay, I'm on to something a little bit. What I'm doing is working for other people and I want everyone to have it because the biggest thing, like you just said, I, I muddled through and I wasted a lot of time. And I feel like a lot of the people that I supported, it was, I can't necessarily say they were successful from my work or that my work was effective. And so I wanted to share those systems and those things that I have um, because they are working for other people so that they can make a difference and we can reach more students and more teachers. Absolutely. And the fact that you worked in the trenches is so huge that you can draw upon those experiences. And it sounds like you just really wanted to make sure that no one else had to quote muddle through the beginning years of an instructional coach and that you were able to really be able to support them and help others to not have to feel that um, jock's position of trying to do something they're not 100% sure of or efficacious about. Yep. And that's how Simply Instructional Coaching, the actual book was born. Um, it's really just a bunch of about 30 or 40 different questions um, that I always got about starting a coach. So like, I got the coaching job. What am I doing now? Like, what are the first steps? So like, I am a big component uh, or, or a big person on reading Jim Knight's work, reading Diane Sweeney's work, reading Steve Barclay's work, Joel Killian's work, um, Dr. Jane Kizzy's work. Like I'm all about those works, but those works are so rooted in research um, that they're not practical sometimes for us to just um, take out the practical parts and just get it done. So nobody is telling me, hey, you might need to meet with your principal and ask them what it is that they want you to do. Like, <laughs> you may need to get some tracking forms and like fill them out and like follow through on a coaching cycle. Or, hey, you need to plan out your week. This job isn't just like a wing it. You wake up and just go to work and you just wing it out. Like there are different things you need to do. Um, and so I think that's kind of where I kind of came in and I kind of just giving people those systems of flows of just how to get started. And then you can dive into the research and those strategies. Cause I believe in those works. I just think that there was, there is a piece missing and I kind of feel that. That's awesome that you've spent so much time filling the gap um, in coaching. In our first episode, we refer to coaching as being on an island. And um, through our podcast, we're hoping to kind of bring some other friends on our island. What do you typically see as a pitfall for educators when it comes to that important self-care piece? Um, so the biggest pitfall is that we're all givers. 
And we all want to make sure that as educators, oh my goodness, all 30 of my kids are okay. All 30 of my kids are teaching. Um, oh, I'm doing what the principal is asking me to do. Oh, this parent is calling me. I need to call them, even though it is 930 at night and my son is crying. Um, you know, we want to always give and make sure that everyone is taken care of, that we lose ourselves in that. And especially as an educator, we lose ourselves in that. But if you're a woman, you're super losing yourself in that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely because, you know, as a mom and, and a career person and then someone who's running a business or, you know, raising children, we are all giving to all of these different areas. And then we always end up being the bottom pit, I will say. Um, and sometimes I have to pull myself out of that pit and say, hey, you know what? Today I'm doing for me. You guys, there's dinner on the table. Um, I'm just going to go upstairs and just decompress. And so some of those days are some of some of the good things that you know self care brings, um, but definitely as educators we give we give we give to everyone else and we put ourselves last, which is a good and bad thing. <laughs> definitely um, can relate to all those situations. What are some go to tips or tricks that you have for self care? So in the workplace. There are some things that I do. So I always start out the morning with playing some type of calming music and I have my lights off in my room and I have a small little lamp that I keep on my desk because I keep the lights off and I'll have my door cracked. So in the morning, I'm listening to uh, some kind of just relaxing music. Sometimes I'll turn on jazz, sometimes just instrumental music. Um, just some things like that, just to calm my spirit and to really get me ready for the day. Because with coaching, you guys know, you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything can pop off at any moment, right? Um, and so that's one of the major things that I do at work uh, as far as for self-care for at work and myself. The second thing is that I started to do as far as work is I incorporated a lunch hour. We don't get those sometimes, but I take my, sometimes it may be 15 minutes, not the whole 30, but I'm going to take my time to eat and I'm going to chew my food. I'm not going to stand up with a bunch of kids or stand up with another adult and, and, you know, swallow and gob down some food. I am going to sit. I am going to take a moment, drink me some water and I'm going to eat my food. And so that is definitely something that um, I didn't always do. And it's something that I started the last year, last school year, and it's working out better because now I'm a little healthier because I'm making better choices of food that I eat and um, those kinds of things. That And then the third thing is that I make sure while at work, I create office hours so that I can create that balance of work. I try to make sure that the time that I'm at work, I'm being proficient and actually doing work work and not just having downtime. I remember when I was in the classroom, I would always, you know, your planning period, you would be at somebody else's room and you're talking and laughing and that's great. And then you're taking home a big bag of stuff that you could grade, that you have to grade. And so now you're sitting in front of your children and you're like, be quiet, I'm trying to grade papers and, you know, all of that. So you're not creating that balance. So I try to keep work, work. I mean, I do, I laugh, I joke and, you know, I spend time with my teachers, but I also try to make sure that that office hour time is super productive and this time that I'm actually getting that checklist um, done and completed so that when I get home I'm not boggled down with some of the work from work. So you're being really intentional about starting off your day in the right 
uh, mindset and then setting aside time during your day to kind of take a breath and regroup so you can totally be there for your teachers and admin. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in my personal life piece, was I supposed to move on? You can. You're good. <laughs> you're great. Tell okay, us what okay. you're in your personal life for your self-care. Okay. Yeah. And then it moved on to the your own life self-care, right? So how do you implement self-care within your own life and what go-to strategies? You told us a little bit about that earlier um, of being intentional with your time, but what do you do in your own life outside of work? So I am a huge fan of Rachel Hollis. Do you guys know who Rachel Hollis is? I'm not familiar. Can you tell us more? Oh, sure. Oh, goodness. Yes. So Rachel Hollis, <laughs> she is one of my um, new found besties. She has an awesome um podcast is called the rise podcast and she wrote a book um stop girl stop apologizing and it has just changed me as far as my personal self-care for myself she has this thing called the five to thrive and everything that she's saying is not something that is not new right it's just some things that she just made common sense wise and the five to thrive is just hydrate um so i've been trying to drink at least um, more than my eight ounces of water. I mean, my eight glasses of water a day. So like I'll have a big gigantic uh, cups of water or bottles of water. I try to at least get about four or five of them in a day. Um, I'm trying to be very intentional with that. Her second um, thing is to wake up early. So now I wake up at 4.45. I, it, back in the day, I would have never woke up at 4.45 in the morning. But I wake up at 4.45 in the morning and it just, as I talked about with school, like really having that calm routine in the morning um, of being able to get up. And then her third thing is to um, practice gratefulness. So I have a grateful journal. So that's the time I do my prayers and I do my meditations. I write um, my affirmations and I do my grateful journals of things that I'm grateful for. And then I write 10 things that have already happened in my life that I want to already happen in my life as if they already have a bit more of a manifestation type of, of kind of like thing. But it's amazing because things are starting to happen. Things are starting to change. And I've totally noticed that I'm a more calm person um, to waking up early. So that was her three. So four is that I move my body. So I start to work out. You know that we challenge ourselves to do this whole workout. But I went and bought um, a membership to the Beachbody online. 30 minutes, y'all. 30 minutes. I promise. I try to get that 30 minutes in a day. Um, it's rough sometimes because I'm like, leave me alone. I'm trying to get this done. Um, but I try to get that 30 minutes. Sometimes I'll do it in the morning, sometimes after school. But I try to definitely move a little bit more intentionally. Um, and then giving up a food category, at least one for 30 days. Not something that's harmful. So right now, I'm not doing chips. Um, my favorite chips, very hard. Very, very hard. I sense all sadness there. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the Rachel Hollis Five to Thrive is how I've been taking um, that for me. That that balance of that intentionality at work um, has definitely helped me to be able to create that balance. And these five things are intentional just for me, even though I do so much for the kids and I'm always running and I'm always doing something. But those are at least five things that I know that I'm doing for myself to. To make me better. That's powerful. And I, I hear you t 
being really mindful both at work and at home to set those boundaries on your time that you're making sure you get your quiet time in before you go into the hectic day, that you're making sure that you ease into the day, that you're able to take an actual lunch so that you're recharged, your batteries are ready for the afternoon and whatever may come up in that time. So it really makes me think of that idea of you can't pour from an empty cup. You're making sure that periodically you're refilling or recharging your cup so you're ready to pour into others. Yes, definitely. So Lisa Nichols, I don't know if you've heard of her. She's one of my other favorite um, person. She always talks about the that only other people can get your overflow. So your cup has to be filled. You have to fill your cup and then everyone else gets the overflow. Because if your cup is in the empty, then you can't get the overflow to anyone else. And so that is super powerful. And that's why I started to do the, the five to thrive. I love Great. that. I love that thought of you have to have that overflow. If you don't have the basis first, you're not going to be able to help anyone else. Think about as you're trying to help others throughout the year, we know there's that learner and teacher cycle of we have these high highs and we have some not as high highs throughout the year, depending on that stress and what's coming at us Um, throughout the year. When do you see a need for self-care rise and what are kind of those hot spots you see um, as a pattern throughout the year where you really are trying to be intentional and, um, in helping your teachers see how they have a need for self-care. Yeah, so definitely around October. Um, and I say this because, you know, we're all on the high. Come in July, um, August and September, it's like back to school. And then we're super excited. We got those first 45 days done. And now what? It's October. Parent-teacher conference is overstressed. It's trying to get these grades done. We have did testing. Now we see where the kids really are and how much work we really have to do. Um, and so right in October, some schools have fall breaks. Some schools don't have fall break. Um, and so that is when I see the biggest stressor of people needing to stop or teachers and educators needing to stop at that moment and just take a breather, like really look at that part. Um, and the second part of the year, I see it more in that February, March, um, because there's no breaks. You know, like some people get President's Day, some don't. Some get Martin Luther King's Day, some don't. So, you know, you come back from um, Christmas break in January, you're super hype, you didn't really, really, really um, recharge, got everything going. Somehow over the break, you did a reset. You found all these resources online. You're going to teach all this stuff <laughs> and you're ready to go. And then the end of that, the middle, like after Valentine's Day, you're like, oh my goodness, I just need a break. Like there is some time um, that I need to just unwind. And so it's that long haul till spring break. And some people spring break, it isn't to the, you know, middle of April. And so um, the later part of March, beginning of April. So that is definitely where um, I see teachers really struggling um, and I see the morale become very low. So what advice would you give educators to get through the busy hustle and bustle of the holiday season? So for like coming up, I always tell people to enjoy the moment. Um, And I say that from personal experience, because just this year, my son graduated from high school and I'm like, I'm old enough to have a child that is now officially grown. Like (laughs) he has moved out and I find myself doing some of those quiet moments thinking about when he was a little boy or some of the things that we used to do and some of the things that I can't really do because he's not here anymore. Like he's literally on a college campus texting me and asking for money all the time. 
At least he calls. So I say enjoy the moment. Sometimes you have to uh, detach from work. Um, I am one that's a workaholic. Um, I am one that will consistently put tons and tons and tons of things on my plate. Um, and then sometimes I have to say, you know what, I got to stop um, and I have to enjoy the moment. So I was just talking with the family the other day and I said, you know, for Thanksgiving, normally I work through Thanksgiving because, you know, Cyber Monday, I want to get all those things out. There are sales going on um, for my website and my store. But I said this year, intentionally, we're going to go out and do a couple of family outings and events together. And so I say that is the number one. Enjoy the moment and um, capture memories with each other because that is important. Family is definitely important. Um, Even though we consider our kids, our students, our kids, you know, when you're in a grocery store, you're like, how many kids you got? You talking about students or you talking about my kids? Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know, my 38 kids that I have in school. Um, But we have to detach from that sometimes. And we have to spend time with our immediate family, like our children, our husbands, um, and our family, our mothers and fathers, um, and really create those memories. I really like your idea of detachment. I'm a recovering people pleaser and yes, yes woman. And so I definitely am going to try to put that feather in my cap and, and try to take your idea of detachment forward with me. Yes. Even if it's just 24 hours. Start small. Start small. <laughs> So now we're going to move into the part of our podcast where we do our rapid fire questions. You get 30 seconds or less to answer. (laughs) (laughs) What is your tagline or bumper sticker for coaching? I have two. All right. One would be killing with kindness. And then number two, coach something, anything, even if it's coaching mindset, if it's coaching change, if it's coaching um, how to put, um, a grades in a grade book, coach something. Awesome. What's your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move? Um, positive feedback. Yes. yes. Always on the bright side, right? <laughs> yes. Providing positive feedback to my teachers. I do walkthroughs every, um, every month and I try to make sure that teachers are aware that they are doing something great. Oh, that's so nice. We want to thank you for coming on C3 today. Um, Before you go, can you share with us some of your upcoming projects? We know you're a busy lady. Ah, Yes. So some of the great things that are happening at Simply Coaching and Teaching. Um, So we just released this week um, the Simply Coaching Workshop that's happening. um, And you can find that at the simplycoachingacademy.com. That is the first thing. It's just an online course of five modules to get those teachers in that line of, you know, I, I got a job, what do I do? Um, and kind of takes them through that and gives them the basics. Um, we are, I just launched the Simply Coaching uh, Summit Reset last year or this past year. Summer, we had about, I don't know, 25 different um, presenters at the, the conference. The virtual conference is the very first online uh, conference out there for instructional coaches and teacher leaders. Um, So we're doing a small little reset. It's about seven hours worth of PD. 
Um, and it's all live. So it's a live broadcast. No one has ever done Well, no one in instructional coaching has ever done a live broadcast. We have six different coaches that are currently in the field. Um, they're either an elementary coach, high school coach. Um, they're coach mentors. They are teacher mentors um, and some teacher leaders who are actually teaching and coaching at the same time. And so they're becoming live to, to really talk with um, coaches, so because it's live, it's Q&A um, and all those great things that are happening. You can find out that at the simplycoachingacademy.com forward slash summit reset. Um, and then the last two things that are coming, I am releasing a new book. Oh, <laughs> um, so a new book will be coming out June 9th. So you guys look for the um, the release sometime in February for the pre-orders. Um, it will be called Coach Something. Oh, matching the bumper sticker. I like it. <laughs> yes, it's all about um, the barriers of coaching, breaking down the barriers of coaching and talking about the beliefs of what you thought your role would be, um, and then how we're going to break those barriers into becoming that that coach you need to be. That's wonderful. It sounds like you have so many different projects to support educators and teachers. Um, where can our listeners learn more from you? So it's simply coaching um, and teaching.com is the actual website. And then the simply coaching academy.com is the site where you can find professional developments. Awesome. Well, we look forward to learning more from you in the future and staying connected with you, Nicole. Oh, no problem. Yes. I want to come back. I want to come back. <laughs> we'll have to have you for another episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed myself. Wow. It was just really amazing to have Nicole here and be able to hear from a different type of coach who's just come into this realm in a different way. I just, I really enjoy her insights and how much she is mindful of the self-care for her educators. Totally. Nicole gave us some great self-care advice. As you enter into the holiday season, we challenge you listeners to find one way to take care of yourself. Share your tips and tricks for self-care with us on Twitter. Tag us at C3Coaches and be sure to share our podcast with a friend. Thanks for listening. C3, connecting coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?